Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply, and their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. But the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen from me in the pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart also instructs me. I have said the Lord always before me because he at the right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. Lord, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. I ask this in your son's awesome name. Amen. So you, if you remember last weekend, Todd talked about from uh, verses uh, 1 through 6 in chapter 4 of James, that there is a war within us. So he unpacked that, and he called it a pride that causes fights and quarrels among believers. And he talked about those passions that are inside of us, they causing those things to happen. And so this morning we're going to talk about the winning the war part two. It seems like it seems like in verse eleven, twelve, they they speaking or slandering or condemning one another. And James will help us here this morning. How can we put those things, those passions, to death? And only. You can do that by humbling yourself. And I want to explain you what that means. It doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, people always, I always get uh, frustrated when people say, I'm a humble. For example, if I said, hello, my name is Timur Nesbitt. I'm a pastoral intern at First Family Church, and I'm really humble. Like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> or same way, like, you know, like, oh, hello, I'm, I'm a perfect man. No, there's no such thing, perfect man. Only Christ Jesus, who is uh, truly perfect and who is truly humble. But I believe by God's grace, we can pursue humility. There's a great book written by C.J. Mahaney called Humility. And he talks about that. He says, I'm a humble man who by God's grace pursues humility. And so that's what James, it's encouraging us and helping us to pursue humility by God's grace. 
So if you uh, go with me to uh, verse 7 in chapter 4, he said, Submit yourself therefore to God. Why he used the word therefore? There's something therefore, right? Because he quoted from Septuagint um, Proverbs 3.44. He said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And before that, he said, it said, James says that he gives more grace, in other words, greater grace. I believe there's a two type of grace. There's a saving grace. In other words, there's you only save by grace alone, not by, you, by, not by works. It's a gift. And also there's a sanctifying grace that helps us to become more like Jesus. And so I think that's what he's talking about, that God gives more grace. He gives more sanctifying grace, even in the midst of when you are pride. Or it means when you are walking in, 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 in evil passions and you pursue those things, but God gives more grace. I know we do not deserve grace because of our sin, but God is full of mercy and grace. He loves us so much. And he proved that in his son Jesus that he gave his only beloved son to die on the cross and raise him up, raise him up for us. Because he did that by grace, he also gave that grace to us to live in a such a way that honors him. So verse 7 through 10, James uh, gives, uh, I call it a theology of uh, humility. What it means to be pursue humility by God's grace. And I believe that we only can do that by, by pursuing humility. And, and, and James gives us a steps or a few commands how to do that. And those commands come with, also with promises. So I pray that this will be encouraging to you, that you will um, experience this uh, every day as you walk with the Lord. So let me read, and then we will unpack those. Verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and, you, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let your laughter be uh, turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. We must be humble before the Lord. And because of our pride, it's, it's hard to do that. That's why we need God's help. I like how... Um, St. Augustine, the early church father, he's, he talks about pride that causes a lot of... Uh, he said, pride is pregnant with all possible sin. It is the root sin that births all other selfish and sinful acts. That's what we've seen uh, last weekend, uh, verse 1 through 6, those 
uh, pride causes, it's pregnant with a bunch of other sins. And because of it, they crawl and they fight and they murder and they covet because of pride. But James here helping us to put that pride to death by humility, by God's help. So what, what is humility? I know it's not a natural thing. We have to work on it. I like how uh, C.S. Lewis says, uh, the true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And it's only possible by God's grace. So in verse 7, he said, he gives ultimate command. He said, submit, therefore, to God. And then he, uh, under those uh, ultimate commands, he gives sub-commands. For example, resist the devil. And it comes with the promise. He will flee. Verse 7. Verse 8. Draw near in humility toward God. And he will welcome you. The third sub-command is be broken over sin. And God will exalt you, verse 9 and 10. So James here, he uses the um, military term to submit. Submit to God. In other words, it means take position under another's authority. To be subject to another authority. I know in this culture we live, we don't like that word. Submit is like a curse word, you know. We don't like it. But it's really biblical. When you submit under God's authority, under His umbrella, of sovereign umbrella, right? That you submit under Him. I believe you start loving Him more and you start hating sin more. Why are we so proud? Because we do not submit. We don't like that. We don't like to submit to God's authority. And I believe that God's word, it's authoritative. And sometimes we pick and choose what to read and what not to read. We don't uh, read the whole counsel of God. We not want this God's word to be above us. Instead, we do this. Step on it and say, I'm better. I'm better than God's word. And that's what, that's what they were doing. The believers in, that James was writing to, they're not submitting to God. Like I've never been in an army. I have no clue what it means, as, you know, but I watch a lot of War movies. So I have kind of a sense that when officer talks to his soldiers and he gives command and they do it. And we have awesome master. We have awesome God who never fails us. And with our selfish desires, we fail him. And he calls us to submit to him, to come to him. He said, I'm better than all those worldly things that you're pursuing. 
come to submit to me. So that's the ultimate command, submit. So the first sub-command, he says, resist the devil. So James using another military term. It means take stand against. Take stand against. In other words, I'm not going to be mastered by you anymore, devil. I have a better master. It's God himself. So to submit to God, it means to resist the authority of devil, the accuser who accuses you and makes you miserable and wants to kill and destroy you. And God says, come to me. It's a safe place to be under my authority. And when you submit to me, I give you grace and strength to resist the devil. And guess what? He will flee from you. I remember when I was a kid, I was memorizing this verse, and I was like, I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to resist the devil. And he's not fleeing. Some of you do that, right? Like, I'm going to resist, I'm going to resist. You're not submitting to God, but you want to resist him. And, and you wonder why the devil is not f- leaving you. And I think because if you submit to God, he will flee from you. Because it seems like the devil doesn't want to do anything when he comes in the presence of God and when we submit ourselves to him. When we submit to God, we resist the devil and he flees from us. But also, does God draw near to us when we draw near to him? Is that a beautiful thing? The holy God will draw to those who will humble. And it's only by his grace. It's only by his grace that he will draw to us. The Psalm 16 that I prayed this morning, he said that in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there is pleasure forevermore. That's what we need. That's what we pursue a bunch of junk the world offers to us, now realizing that God more precious and more, more wonderful than those things that we pursue. And he said, draw near to me. I'm generous God. I will give myself to you. I proved it 2,000 plus years ago. I gave my only beloved son. I crushed him for you so you don't have to be crushed. So come, come. I'm better. And I will come to you. It's like a prodigal son in Luke 15. Remember what, when he wanted his possession, when he wants his stuff, he, and so went, he went uh, to the world and spent it. And then had, he had nothing. And then came, he came in his sentence and he repented. He said, I'm going to go to my father. I'll be like, because he treats his servants better than this master that I'm serving to. 
And when he comes to his father, the father ran to him. So that's how God, when we humble ourselves, we draw near to him and he runs toward us. What a beautiful picture. The loving father who does that to his children when they walk in humility. I pray this will be encouraging to you. That's why sometimes we don't humble ourselves and we don't submit to God because we have no clue what it means when God close to us and we close to him. So submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near and he will draw near to you. And then when we draw near to him, our acts, our uh, words will change. In verse 8, B, he said, Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he's talking about our acts, our external and internal how, you get, how can you change your acts? By drawing you to God. And he will draw you to you. And then when you see how wonderful and beautiful he is, you will change. And you will start living differently. You will wash your hands. I think he's talking about metaphorically here. That you acts. You need to. It's not, he's not talking about uh, work-based salvation here. Okay, when I, if I wash my hands, and my, then I'll come to God. No. I think this is a response when you did see how awesome and beautiful he is. And you start reflect him by his grace. And you start acting differently. You start talking differently. You're not curl, you're not fight, you're not covet. And so that's why he said you need to clean your hands because you've seen who God is and how wonderful he is. And he gives you a grace to do that. Clean your hands and purify your hearts. Double-minded literally means a double soul, not S-O-L-D, but S-O-U-L-E-D. In other words, like, You want to serve God at the same time you want to serve the world. Don't be lukewarm. Be hot or cold. One single-minded. I want to worship. I want to serve holy God because he draws near to me. He helps me to resist the devil. Verse 9 and 10, after when we understand the submission, he gives a last sub-command. Be broken over your sin. Not only that you uh, live for God as a Christian, as a redeemed one, but also you hate what God hates. Verse 9, he said, be wretched and mourn and weep. Sounds like really odd, right? Christians should be happy people, right? But in this context, he talks about those are people in the world they make fun of 
righteousness. They make fun of God. And we live in a culture that, you know, we laugh all the time on, on everything. And he said, to be humble it means to mourn over your sin. My question for you uh, this morning, when do you last time mourn over your sin? When do you last time realize that you're a sinner and what you're doing and you're acting and talking? Do you weep over that? I love Puritans because Puritans, in their writings, they, they always kind of took sin seriously. Tom Watson, Thomas Watson says, until sin is bitter, Christ won't be sweet to you. So that's why we sometimes don't enjoy Christ in, in his, all his magnificence and beauty because we love our sin. And we don't weep over our sin. So I encourage and challenge you, weep over your sin. Because this sin put our Lord Jesus, nailed it him to the cross. We must weep over our sin, be broken. And then God promises that he will exalt us. So in the summary of verse 10, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt us. You. First Peter says the same thing in ver, uh, chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself before, under the mighty hand of God, and He will, at the proper time, will exalt you. And I never thought about that. And then He says, cast out all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. It's interesting because... We, in our anxiety, we worry and we allow those evil passions to control us instead casting them out upon the Lord because He cares how He cares. He draws near to us. And so James is concluding this in verse 10. What has gone before is that the grace of God then be ready to raise us up when he sees that our proud spirits are laid aside. That's what it means. He will exalt you. When you put all your pride aside, and then he will exalt you by his grace. What a wonderful promise it is. God always keeps his promises. Always. That's why we sometimes don't humble ourselves because we doubt his promises. But he's loving father and he always keeps his promises. So my prayer for you this morning that you will trust in his promises. What a beautiful thing is to trust in his promises. But when you experience those promises, you, your heart is glad. Humility, it's a, it's a clothing that we put on. We put off the selfish things 
and we put on uh, the humility. It's not, you know, this culture, they think that humility is, it's for weak people. I'm too, I'm too strong. I, you know, I can handle on my own. They have no clue what they're talking about. And God says he opposes those people. But he gives grace to the humble. I remember when I was in the orphanage, I have to wear orphan clothes, clothing. But when I got adopted, my parents took me to the mall and they told me, you can have new clothing now. So same way, God, we were orphans. And God says, don't wear all the things of the world. There's better clothing. It's called humility. And those clothing, they will never run out. And I'm giving you as a good father, by my grace, this clothing to wear. And we want to go back to our old clothing, stinky old clothing. Instead, going to awesome, beautiful clothing called humility. So let's put on humility. By putting humility is to submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Be broken over our sin. Weep and be broken. And hate, that means hate sin and love his righteousness. Only humble people can do that. Only humble people. And I pray this is my prayer because I'm not humble man. I need this every single day. We all need this because by nature, when we proud people and God gives more grace to do that. So now we see the theology of humility, vertical, right? Now we're gonna, how we can apply that in our speech. Because proud people, they always talk against their brothers and sisters in Christ. If you dealt with God and you came to Him with humble spirit, He will give you more grace to also talk others with compassion hearts. The compassionate love for others. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Other translations, they translate speaking against. I think there is nothing wrong to speak against, actually. Why he, it's a, that's why he put the word speaking evil. Because if you read the whole book of James, he kind of speaking against 
Like for example, in chapter 4, verse 4, you adulterous people. Oh, sounds like you're speaking against. But what James is doing, he's speaking against with righteousness. If you read Leviticus uh, 19, verse 15, it talks about that we must speak uh, against each other in righteousness. Or in 1 Corinthians 5, talks, Paul talks about that if we judge one another, we should judge another in a godly manner. But Paul, uh, James here talks about not that kind of speaking. I like the word slander. It's like, do not slander one another. You slander it because you don't have what they have. And you want those things, and you go and tell others about it. That's wrong. And he used the word also, or judge. In other words, I think in the good translation, I would say it will, more, it will be more condemning your brother. You, so you're slandering and you're condemning your brother. Christ purchased us for unity, not for slander. And the world looks at us like, oh, this is all Christians. That's what they do. They slander and they condemn one another. What a bad testimony we sometimes become. But James encourages us, do not do that. Actually, if you do speak against your brother or sister in Christ, you're actually going against the law. The law of Christ. The royal law. How do we know this a royal law? Because he, uh, in chapter 2 of James, verse 8, he says, uh, according to the royal law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We know that from Old Testament, again, Leviticus 16, that we should love one another as ourselves. I am the Lord, he said. And, and Jesus t- takes that and he summarizes in one command. In Matthew 22, he said, Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, mart, uh, with all your might. And second is like it. Love your neighbor. As yourself. And so when we speak, or when, when we slander, we speak against the law. And he says, you're not only, when you speak, you're not a doer of the law, you're a judge. In other words, you're supposed to obey, you're supposed to obey this law, but you're not obeying. You're going above the law and saying, I'm a judge. I'm better than you. So we act as we are better than others. And James like, who are you to do that? We see the same problem happen in, 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 in Romans 14 when there's believers, they're fighting about a meal, about the meat. Okay, should I eat uh, vegetable or should I eat meat? You know, like, who cares? Don't judge one another. And they're trying to do that because I'm better because I eat uh, vegetables. I'll be more healthier. Or I eat meat because, you know, it gives me more strength. I don't know. And so they're having this kind of fight too in, in, in here in James. 
And they're speaking and judging one another because maybe they don't have what they, uh, maybe they don't have what they wanted to have. And that, that's why they're doing that. And not only are you judging, uh, acting against others, you think they, uh, we think sometimes we are better than God too. Because in verse 12, he said, this is only, there is only one lawgiver and judge. There's only one who gives the law, and he's perfect. And guess what? He is so powerful that he is willing, is able to save, and he is able to destroy. You don't know who you're playing with, James, in other words, saying. When you're judging your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Jesus is the only one. The Father gave the judgment to him. And he will do a better job than you and me. Why was sometime trying to do that? Taking over the better judge. Who will do a better job than me? 100%. Who am I to judge? My brother and sister. So let's, because of God's grace, because of his goodness to us, let's submit to him. Let's submit to his authority, to his scriptures, to his church. Let resist the devil and then he will flee from us. Draw near to him every single day and knowing that he will draw near to us. Let make our actions externally and internally showing this world that we belong to Christ and Him alone. And let's weep over our sin. When I say weep, let's weep. Not laugh at it, but weep. And because of that, because of this gracious gift that God gives us called humility, and helps us to talk to one another in a compassionate way. Let the world see that we belong to Him, that we will walk in humility, and that we will speak one another in such a way that honors Him. So the take-home truth will be from this verse 7 through 12. In order to fight the war with pride, we must humble, humbly submit to God and show compassion to others. In order to fight the war with pride, humbly submit to Him and to Him alone and show compassion to others. That's the word of the Lord. So my prayer for you this morning, as you go, that you will do those things. Not because, so you can earn something, but because of Christ Jesus, what he has done for you, this lawgiver, a judge, who became one of us, 
lived perfect life, never sinned. Even he was tempted. For 33 years, doing miracles and teaching and preaching. And then he humbly goes to the cross for you and for me. On the cross, he takes all our sin, all our shame, all our guilt upon himself. And he died on the cross. Isaiah 53 says that God the Father pleased to crush him. The wrath of God would pour out on him. And he drank the cup of the wrath of God all the way to the last drop. And he put it inside and he says, It is finished. Finish a while. The forgiveness of sin. And on the third day, he rose victoriously for our justification. And he sat at the right hand of the Father, and he ruling sovereign over everything. And he said that he's coming back for his bride, for his church. And every knee and every tongue, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. This is the God I worship. And this is the God I want to submit. And it's more precious and more, more wonderful when we submit to his sovereign authority, to his scriptures. Devil will always, he never keeps his promises. He promises one thing and never delivers. But God always promises and always delivers. So my question for you this morning, are you submitting to God? Are you resisting the devil? Are you standing firm? Are you drawing near to him? Are you weeping over your sin? Do you speak kindly to one another? That's the mark of the Christian, newborn Christian. And so James encourages us and gives our steps to do that. Not, again, it's not that you can, it's not by work so that God can love me more. He already loved you more. He showed that on the cross. So our respond because of the cross to live and put on humility and walk in submission to him.